Hello everybody, my name is Ngozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to talk about two movies, one on Netflix, another one in the big screen. First movie we're going to talk about is the much anticipated and heavily debated Flash. And we're going to talk about if Ezra Miller is really broken the mold or if the Flash stumbles out of the gate. Also, we're going to talk about the Netflix movie Extraction, and we're going to see if Chris Hemsworth can really hit lightning in a bottle twice with Extraction 2. So, let's jump right into it. Now, it's no secret if you are a fan of The Flash as the character from DC Comics that The Flash is a hot mess. He is a character that has the ability of super speed. And depending on the comic book, as with anything, the Flash will be either not fast enough to outrun a bullet or so fast that he could stop anything at any time if he puts his mind to it. However, there are some big things with the Flash, and that is he's one of the fastest men alive. He can travel at near the speed of light, easily breaking the speed of sound. Also, he's so fast that he could travel through time. That's one of the big ones with the Flash, or with any person in the Flash's family, because there are a lot of people that end up with the moniker of the Flash. But let's just focus on this one, i.e. Barry Allen. And when I mean he's a hot mess, I am not joking around. The Flash has always been a character where people have constantly told him, Hey, don't mess with time travel. It's not a good idea. You should just leave it alone. Because if you mess with time, guess what? You're going to make things maybe better in some ways. You can also make things worse in others. And that is, I would say, the biggest thing with The Flash. He is not in any way, shape, or form the kind of character that isn't going to heed people's instructions and is definitely going to try and break time by traveling back in there and changing things for the better. Most times he does this in order to stop his mother from dying because that is a big event in his life. And you understand why it is. I mean, it's his mom. You also understand you really should not mess with something that you don't know the full variables of. It's hubris to think that you can do things and you have all the angles covered Especially when you don't have all the angles covered. It's like Icarus flying into the sun. Only with this, it's just the Flash running back in time, changing one thing, and making the world all the worse for it. So, let's see what happens in this movie where we know the Flash has traveled back in time, changed everything, and oh boy, does it backfire on everyone but he's the flash 
He's the fastest man alive. Can he save the day at the end of the day? Or is this too much for the Flash? Can the fastest man in the time, can he outrun his fate of having his loved ones be hurt? So, without further ado, let's jump right into it. So the first thing that we see in regards to this movie with Ezra Miller is that I truly think he has embraced the role of the Flash. His Flash in Justice League was awkward. However, he was unconfident. And I think the first thing you see in regard to this movie is that while the Flash is still very awkward, he's not unconfident you could tell in the beginning of this movie that he comes across especially when he is in his flash regalia he absolutely comes across as somebody who has been doing his job for at least a decent amount of time enough where he feels confident enough in doing that job He's no longer very unsure of himself when he is the Flash, which enhances when he's unsure of himself when he is not the Flash, which is a nice juxtaposition, I would say, of Barry Allen. The character in the comic books has always been someone who can be very serious when they are not, when they're in costume. However, when they're not in costume, they can be considered very much a jokester. And that's across any media. That's across even the Flash TV series that just ended recently after nine seasons. If you were a fan of the animated Justice League TV show, it was also seen there. The Flash was very much seen as a jokester. So I will give props to this movie in regards to the fact that Ezra Miller definitely has grown I think in terms of this role what I also like is when he needs to be serious he is very serious and he knows when to put all the jokes aside and he knows when to just start getting stuff done which I really appreciate in regards to this character. You like to see character growth in someone who's going to be in multiple movies. Although, we'll get back to that multiple movie thing in a quick second. So, that's the very first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed, however, was the CGI. It was all over the place. There are plenty of times where the CGI looks great in regards to when the Flash is running. I think that looks really good. When the Flash was traveling through time, as we all know, the Flash is going to travel through time in this movie. When he's traveling through time, I really liked some of those effects. However, this CGI was very much hit 
and miss. When it hit, it hit very well. When it missed, it missed by a quarter mile. I saw a TikTok from a creator whose name was Ori. And if it's not pronounced that, I apologize. But she compared the CGI in this movie to the Polar Express. And after she said that, I can't unsee it. So that is absolutely something that you're going to run across with this movie pun intended because it's the flash now just because we have a flash movie does not mean the flash is the only superhero in this movie we get to see batman in this movie and the main batman that everybody was getting excited about was of course the batman from the 1990s michael keaton he reprises his role as batman in this movie and i really did like michael keaton he seemingly slipped right back into the character that you would remember from the two movies batman and batman returns However, he also plays it with a somberness. Remember, at the end of Batman Returns, he's alone, but he still has people who he depends on. And when we meet the new Batman, this is a guy who has been doing Batman for a very long time. So it absolutely has an effect on him which I really really like he steals every scene he's in when he is tough he's tough he's also able to be kind I liked when this movie would get really quiet and it would very much so speak especially with Keaton and Miller, when they were acting against each other, I thought this is a really good movie that we're setting up here with Keaton and Miller. If these are going to be the two leads in this movie, which they were, I thought this is just a great sign in regards to they have chemistry and the chemistry is they play off each other really well also in regards to this movie i like that they introduced that barry is also you know he is half spanish i mean his mom is played by maribel verdu she plays nora allen I was actually shocked when I saw her up close because I remember her from a certain movie called Itu uh, Mama Tambien. And if you know that movie, that she's the main character. So I remember that movie and I remember her. We'll leave it at that because we're going to keep a decent rating on this podcast. But 
she was really good in that movie. I've kept a decent touch on her career, and she definitely knocks it out the park as Nora Allen. Also, to give props where props is due, the supporting cast in this movie was really good. You know, you had uh, Sasha Cali. She played Cara Zorel, and I thought she really did a good job playing, you know, Cara Zorel. She was definitely playing the archetype of somebody who had lost a lot. Also, she definitely fit into the this is what you would imagine if you closed your eyes and imagined that Kal-El Superman had a cousin. If you imagine that, the person who you imagined their personality would be the one that Kara Zor-El shows in this movie. So, big props to her. I thought she was absolutely fun throughout this movie when she needed to be vulnerable i thought she was very vulnerable when she needed to be strong i thought she was very strong when she came off as angry i was like yes this her emotional beats all hit for me and i don't know i'm a sucker for a strong female protagonist and I thought she was actually a pretty decent example of a strong female protagonist in this movie so primarily that's the good parts of this movie as well as with the easter eggs that come up this movie has a lot of easter eggs in it Some that I did not imagine would ever come about. So when they come in and they're done well, I think they really enhance the movie. It's really fun for Flash fans, for fans of DC Comics, because some of these hints are really, really well done and you can have a lot of fun with them when watching them in the theaters however this movie isn't all uh sunshine and rainbows and i've already mentioned one or two of the bad problems with this movie but let's let's go over really the downsides of this movie to give you the full scope when i said the weird cgi looked like it was from the polar express i really meant it there are several scenes where you can look at the faces in there and i'll double down on this and i will say the cgi reminds me a little bit of jim carrey's the mask when the mask would turn into a 3d figure and do something insane it works in that movie because that's supposed to be over the top 
and not realistic. So you accept, oh, it's the mask doing this. That's fine. It does not work in this movie. When you see it, it's so obvious that it can completely knock you out of the movie. Now, I've heard an interview where they speculate that the director did this CGI on purpose. I don't know if that's real or not. If that is real, I'm going to tell you right now, that was a huge miss on the director's part in regards to this movie. CGI has its place when you're being completely unrealistic then that means i think you need to give reason as to why this is going to be unrealistic either the movie is unrealistic or the scene you are in is completely unrealistic and you acknowledge it when you are watching a superhero movie however and the cgi looks unrealistic right next to realistic cgi which means well done cgi right next to what looks like unfinished cgi there needs to be a better cohesive reason than this is intentional because it didn't come across as intentional it came across as the group that did the cgi did half of a good job and then the other half did a terrible job so i don't know which story to believe what i will say is i i did not like it and it took me out of the movie every single time i saw that bad cgi so that's that's one thing the second problem i have with this movie is this movie really undersold in my opinion the relationship between uh, Iris West and Ezra Miller now to be clear they do not have a lot of interactions in this movie I believe they're really on screen together for maybe 10 minutes if that however my issue is chemistry does not need a long time to really come about. And I've seen Kiersey Clemens, the actress that plays Iris West. I have seen her play several different roles and be in some really good movies. So I know that she can act. It just did not feel like the it didn't feel like the chemistry was there it did not really make sense based off the way Ezra Miller was playing Barry Allen why Iris West would be into this version of Barry Allen it didn't make sense I thought they at times played up especially in regards to their you know chemistry they played up Barry Allen's you know, all shucks mentality. It seemed like they're trying to go for maybe a Clark Kent Superman thing. However, with Clark Kent, it came across as earnest. With 
Ezra Miller with Barry Allen, it just comes across as weird. And you wonder, hey, are you okay? Are you on drugs? Because this this doesn't this doesn't feel particularly great, right? So that's how that's how that came across. Also, this is no disrespect to the actor. Ron Livingston, he is playing Barry's father, Henry Allen. Now, in the Justice League movie you saw was played a little bit by Billy Crudup. And I thought that was great casting. So I know they replaced that casting with Ron Livingston. And to be clear, I love Ron Livingston. I think he is a really good actor. I don't necessarily agree with his casting in this movie simply because their chemistry was, as I said, it was a little off. And I mostly put that on Barry Allen's uh, portrayal in this movie he comes across as a little too weird a little bit too out there and it's not i feel like i'm terrible using the word weird because it's not weird he comes across as just so painfully socially awkward that people feel like they're talking at him not to him and if that was fully throughout the movie, I would be cool with that. However, there are large chunks of this movie where that goes away. And instead, we get the version of Barry Allen that I think most people would be cool with. The version of Barry Allen that's, hey, I'm being serious. I am taking things seriously I'm not worried about being awkward. I'm just trying to do the right thing. That version of Barry Allen works. That version of Barry Allen works very well. But not when paired with this super awkward Barry Allen that we get in his scenes with his family and his scenes with Iris West. Then it just it just doesn't flow right, in my opinion. I thought that could have been done a little bit cleaner also as you know in the trailers you get michael shannon reprises his role as general zod you also get uh anji trow who plays a pharaoh who is general Zod's second in command i really wanted them to matter in regards to this story however my biggest problem with those two characters is that you could have not had them in this movie. You could have brought in completely different characters to be the villains and still had the same result. It didn't need to be General Zod. It was nice to have General Zod. However, when I look back on the story... He really had no, he had an impact on the story. However, he did not have a drastic impact on the story. And I truly think they could have told this story without him. And it still would have made 
100% the logic. So I felt like they missed out on a potential avenue of a villain, on introducing a new villain, on introducing villains maybe from the Flash's, you know, rogues gallery. I really feel like they missed out on that. So that's something I'm really going to ding this movie for. So overall, there was a lot of questions about will people go watch this movie? And I talked about that last week about this movie. What might happen if it doesn't do well? Should you go see the movie? Should you not go see the movie? And here's what I will say. The quality of this movie is not so amazing that if you weren't going to go see the movie before, it's not going to change your mind. The movie is okay. It's not world-breaking. It's not the best movie that the DC uh, cinematic universe has you know pumped out do i understand why they kept ezra miller in this movie yes because i do think that there are large parts of this movie where he turns in a really honest and open characterization of barry allen the totality of his character will i be sad to see ezra miller go as barry allen as they reboot this universe no i'm not going to be sad about that i think the i think in the box office really is showing it this movie isn't doing well at the box office not as well as people expect so when i look at this movie i say it is an okay movie It's not of such a high quality that it's going to move the needle either way. It's not going to convince you to see the movie if you didn't want to see the movie. And it's not going to deter you from seeing the movie if you were going to see the movie. So the only thing I will say is, if you want to see the movie, go see it. It is a a home-cooked meal. Originally, I was thinking of giving it a fine dining. However, the problems with the story where I talked about with Zod and how much he matters or his lack of mattering in the grand scheme of things, it really started to bug me. Also, some of the Easter eggs, while some of them are really nice, some of them are so esoteric that it really boggles the mind as to how this got in there. I mean, a good Easter egg is something that is noticed or you can just pass over it and it doesn't need to impact you. However, there is at least one Easter egg in this movie that's front and center and has like a solid minute or two in the limelight and i noticed it immediately 
because I remembered this Easter egg, but it was so weird to see it. I was just like, how many people are actually going to get this? I know what's going to happen next, but how many people are actually going to get this? And should we just cut this out? Because if you would have just cut that out, you could have done a much more recognizable Easter egg. You could have shown uh, Barry Allen from the Flash TV series appearing on screen. That could have been a nice Easter egg. So I'm not 100% on those. So it brought me down. I was going to give it a low fine dining brought back down to a realistic home-cooked meal it's not a bad movie it is however a movie that can at times especially because the cgi feel unfinished so in that regard i am going to give this movie fine dining keep it where it is and if you love the flash please jump in the comments email me tell me why you love the flash if you don't love the flash please tell me why you didn't love the flash i am sure you're gonna have your reasons but let me know and i would love to hear from you guys or hear any debate that you have in regards to this movie so with the introduction of the Marvel movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe in particular, you get a very interesting phenomenon that's happening with actors. And while this isn't something new, it is something that's much more pronounced because it's happening to more people. And that is with action leading men, are they able to have successful careers outside of these big roles that they have so when it comes to a character like when it comes to an actor like chris hemsworth he has played thor in i think about six movies yeah six movies because we've had the four thor movies we've had avengers We've had Avengers Age of Ultron, so that makes six right there. And we've also had Avengers Endgame, so he's played Thor in eight movies, which is a lot when you think about it. So seeing this guy who's played this character in eight movies, eventually Thor is going to bow and bow out and not be in any more Marvel movies so with Chris Hemsworth it is an important question to ask can he be an effective action leading man in Hollywood when he's not attached to the mouse so it was a very welcome thing for his part when the Netflix movie Extraction was a success when it was well received when audiences who saw it said yes we really like this because it was one of the first real examples that 
Chris Hemsworth can be that action leading man. So, obviously, since the movie did well for the streaming giant, they said, we're going to run it back and we are going to do a sequel to this movie. So, let's go in and let's talk about the sequel to the previous Extraction, Extraction 2. Now, one of the things that I do like about this movie is they show you how he lived after the events in the first Extraction. And I will say the first 15 minutes of this movie are very believable in that, oh, yeah, he was close to death. And he doesn't immediately pop back from it. He has to go into surgery. He has to recover from that surgery. He has to learn the simple things like how to walk again because he went through so much trauma in regards to the first extraction. So even though you know he's going to be back on his feet, he's going to be kicking butt, taking names. It is a refreshing thing to know that Chris Hemsworth's character, who's called Tyler Rake, that he is not superhuman. He's still very human. He gets hurt and he is going to be out of commission for a little bit, especially when he took the level of damage that he took in that movie. So I really did like that about this movie also some of the previous casts from the first extraction come in you know you have uh and i please i do not want to butcher this name so i apologize if i do but miss farhani not going to pronounce the first name because that was absolutely going to be a trip in disaster she comes back as Nick Khan, who she is one of Tyler's partners. And you had uh, Adam Bessa come back as Yaz Khan, her brother. They're all a member of Tyler's crew. And I like how after the events of the first movie, he seriously is like, I, I don't necessarily need to just do this for the money. I got money. I just, I need a purpose because right now my arm's hurting. I got a, I got a brace on my leg. I'm limping. Like, why would I try and do another mission after everything I went through for the last one? Like, that's it. I'm I'm going to be retired until, you know, smooth talking Idris Elba comes in there and is able to talk Tyler back to take another job, one that's a little bit more personal this time. So he talks him back into the job and then we just use that as the catalyst for every single action set piece in this movie which are plenty action set pieces so let's go into the good about this movie number one chris hemsworth as tyler rake 
he is the classic generic action star with one caveat and that is he's the guy who runs in there he's incredibly skilled he can kill a whole bunch of people and not even blink he's a mercenary he's got a heart of gold he cares for the people that he's saving all of that the thing that i do like about this movie is they do go a little bit more into his background and they bring people from his past into this movie to really humanize him and i think chris hemsworth actually does a pretty good job in making you understand why Tyler Rake is who he is. While action heroes don't need to be multi-dimensional, any more dimensions that you add to them actually helps because when you care about your action lead in a in any kind of emotional context, you start to care about them in the action. You don't want them to get hurt you don't want them to die so Chris Hemsworth is able to do that and I think that really works to this movie's benefit also talk a little bit about the action the action is incredibly solid in this movie it is hit out the park there's one 21 minute long single take action scene where there are no cuts where you know that it took probably weeks if not months to film that thing perfectly and when you see it it looks great what I like about this movie is that because it's not a Marvel movie or a superhero movie even though it's unrealistic, the realism is still there. So, yes, is it unrealistic that he gets hit in the head with like a brick and he just shrugs it off and keep on going? Yes, it is. However, you understand why he would do it and you're like, he's just that cool. He could shrug off getting hit with a brick. Or he could shrug off getting hit with a shovel or any other object. He's just that angry and he's going to get the job done. Honestly, at the end of this movie, he should have like eight concussions. And maybe he does. Maybe they start Extraction 3 with him being in the hospital being like, if you take one more blow to the head, you're going to die. Because you had like eight concussions all at once. I don't know. But that would actually be pretty funny, if I'm being honest. So, I really liked Chris Hemsworth in this movie. I liked the rest of his crew. Nick and Yaz Khan, I thought they had really good chemistry as brother and sister. I also liked that they were incredibly competent, which is not something you see when it comes to the sidekicks in these kind of action movies. Usually the sidekicks are not only lesser they are also just not as competent which means they border on incompetence 
And in this movie, the side characters for Tyler Rake, they are extremely competent. They may not be as good as Tyler, but they're pretty damn close. And they can take on their own. They can really put the hurt on a whole bunch of enemies. Even moments where you're thinking, oh, the side characters are going to die here because they have to take on two bad guys at once. And then when Tyler finds them, they're like, oh, yeah, I was just catching my breath. Yeah, I took out those guys. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant, but I did it. And you're like, oh, well, good for you. You like it. I love competency. I also thought uh, Farhani, I remember her character from the movie, uh, is it The Rundown or is it The Outside? It was that movie with Kevin Hart where he was the caregiver to a person who was quadriplegic, who was played by the dad from Breaking Bad so I remember that movie and I remember she was in it and she was actually pretty good in that movie so I love that they're putting her in some action stuff and I thought she held up really really well I actually would not mind to see her in Extraction 3 because I think she's gonna probably up her game and take it to another level this is what we need when we talk about competent female leads we want female leads who can kick butt no reservations no hesitation if you can do that you're already halfway there and i love the fact that we got that with her also i liked idris elba's character he's not in this movie for very long it's it's one of those blink and you'll miss it roles. He is the guy that gives the mission to Tyler to that kicks off the action for this movie. And it just reminded me how much I actually like Idris Elba as either a morally ambiguous guy or as a straight up bad guy because you don't know his allegiances. So I really liked Idris Elba in this role he wasn't there for a long time but he was definitely there for a good time so I really like that also I really like the bad guys in this movie so you had Zarab and David played by Tornik Bizva and Tornik Gorginchi or Groginchi and I really do apologize about butchering some of these names. I tried to find the pronunciations online and it was rough. But I did like the, you know, bad guys in this movie. I thought they came across as not only very frightening. I thought they had some great scenes. Like in one scene, they stab a guy and they just stab him and just have his body fall into the grave that they're already digging 
which I thought was just a cool action set piece. They also made the bad guys incredibly competent, which, like I said, competency across the board, I love. I love it. So this movie gets an A plus for its competency. So what are the downsides to this movie? Because, as I've said before, no movie is perfect. Well, the downsides are pretty simple. The story for this movie is paper thin. It's not so thin that you could drive a bus through. It is super thin, however. So that does not get pushed to the side. I will say if you're going to watch Extraction, you are watching it for the action. You're not watching it for the story. Like if they cut out all the action pieces and just stuck to the scenes where nobody is fighting, punching, kicking, blowing something up or shooting, then this is like maybe a 30 minute movie because it does not have a lot of time in regards to that. I mean, this movie is a little bit over two hours, so it does not have a lot of time where they are not shooting or doing some kind of action. Also, while it makes sense in the movie, I hate the trope of teenagers or kids being the worst and this movie has that in regards to Andro Japrizi or Jap. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, not going to pronounce that. I'm sorry, Andro. I am butchering it already. But his character, he plays the son of one of the bad guys. And this is this is going to be a small little rant. Because I don't think anybody cares about me spoiling the story. But I'm going to spoil the story a little bit. So if you don't want to hear it, please just move on about 30 seconds in the future. If you are a son and you see your mom getting hit by your dad. And when your dad gets murked, if you're more angry at your dad getting murked than at the fact that your mom got hit, you are a terrible son. I'm just going to call it as I see it. So the fact that you're the catalyst for the next bit of action, I would not have minded if you gotten hurt. And I thought one of the best scenes in the movie actually was when he was talking to a member of his uncle's crew and he said are they gonna hurt my mom and the dude simply said if you wanted her not to be hurt you shouldn't have called i thought that was a great reality check in regards to this movie so i did not like it but i did love that scene so let's let's go into my final thoughts this is an action movie it's not a story driven movie 
It's not something where, oh my God, you're looking at this movie for all of these great, great storylines and these great scenes where people are talking and it's just two people in a room. You rarely get that in this movie. What you are going to get is a ton of well-choreographed action. You're going to get Chris Hemsworth doing most of that action, but you're also going to get the supporting cast in this movie doing some really cool action scenes as well. Everyone is competent. From the bad guy, from the hero to the villain, nobody is incompetent. They are all people who are really good at killing. So, you you feel like the heroes are going to make it out. The only question is how many of the heroes are going to make it out in regards to this movie. So, in regards to that, I will give this movie a high home-cooked meal. It's definitely not a bad movie. I think it's actually a pretty good movie, especially for a streaming service. I would have paid money to see this movie in the theaters, and I probably would have walked out with no regrets because I knew I was going in to see an action movie and I would have been entertained by the amount of action that I got. So having said that, what did you guys think of the movie Extraction? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Please let me know in the comments or in email because I would love to hear what you have to think. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in several places. You can contact me on Twitter at Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at Two Sides of a Coin. That's T-W-O-S-I-D-E-Z of a coin, all one word. You can email us at two sides podcast at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about. And we'll talk to you later.